On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, going to be joined by Nick Schwert. We're going to go over some KU football with them being in the Liberty. We're also going to discuss some KU basketball. And then whose stat line is it anyway to finish off here on Locked on Jayhawks? You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek John. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, joined today by Nick Schwert. You can check out with Cody and Gold on 610 in Kansas City. You can also hear him with the Wave in the Wheat podcast. And uh, on today's edition of the show, we're going to start off with some KU football, Jayhawks in the Liberty Bowl. We're going to get to some KU basketball and then finish off with whose stat line is it anyway. First, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. It's a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code Locked On at checkout to get an extra $30 off your order. So, Nick, um, KU's playing in Liberty Bowl. I, I don't know what you think about this. Obviously, there was the whole Missouri thing that added into this. Um, there was the the side of it where, you know, maybe it would have been more beneficial to the alumni bases to be in one of the other bowls, but also you're in a bowl game. You're six and six. Can't be too choosy. Get the Arkansas matchup. I don't know, just just from an overall or, or maybe if you want to pinpoint something, what are kind of your, your big thoughts from, from the bowl game and, and the selection for KU here? Yeah, I mean, I, I keep going back to the conversations we had before the season where if you would have said, hey, this team's going to a bowl game, I would have I would have probably not believed you. So the idea that now all of a sudden I'm going to be picky about it and say, well, come on, couldn't you have found one with a warmer climate or a little bit closer to donors and alumni? No, I don't care at all. Uh, I think it's cool that you're going to play an SEC school, like you're going to play a team with some you know, uh, regional ties, you know, right. There's a lot of people from Arkansas in the area. So I think that's pretty cool. And I mean, the big thing for me is that you had a chance to play Missouri and you're not. I know that that's kind of running counterintuitive to the idea that you don't get to be picky with this, but we had an opportunity to restart one of the oldest and best rivalries in college football two years before it's actually going to. And the powers that be decided that, you know what, let's wait a couple more years. I feel like all the arguments against that were pretty flimsy, like all the reasonings why you wouldn't want to do it. Well, there's a basketball game that day, as if they would be the first university to ever have a men's basketball game and a football game on the same day. We, we don't want to it take it. It happened last year. It happened last year. Literally last year <laughs> with Missouri. So the idea that that or that you don't want to share the bowl revenue. Are you kidding me? Like, hey, I get it. I'm well aware there's money involved in college football. Did you know that before people say, well, they'd have to share the money. There's a, it's the only reason we do any of this college athletics is for games like that. Kansas, Missouri. I don't care if it's in Columbia. I don't care if it's in Lawrence, if it's in Kansas city, or if it's in Memphis, any opportunity you have to add to that storied history. I'm, I'm all in favor of, and especially being able to do it in a bowl game. That would have been so cool, and the idea that now it's going to be Kansas and Arkansas, it feels like a letdown when if you would have just told me initially that the matchup was Kansas and Arkansas from the beginning, I would have said, wow, that's a great matchup, sign me up. 
Well, when I look at the bowl game now, there's definitely like there's less stress for the fan base because it's it's now more of a celebration almost where it's like if you lose the game, it's like whatever you went to a bowl. If you're playing Missouri, it's pins and needles like we better win the game if you're in it. Right. And so I I do think that makes this bowl now a lot different in terms of the takeaways where, you know, obviously, if they win the game, that's great. It can be a springboard for next season. I, I even wonder if if you do win the bowl game and you look impressive, you're seven and six. And let's say you bring back. I don't know, 18 starters next season. Like, would they be receiving votes in the preseason poll? But uh, that's a story for another day. As far as like what we can take away from the bowl game, outside of just winning the game, is there something that that would make you feel best about where this team is headed next season besides just the result of, of the team score? Yeah, I think it would be Jalen Daniels returning to the form that we saw the first month and a half of the season when he looked like a legitimate Heisman candidate, when he looked like a top five, 10 quarterback in the country. Maybe that's just not going to happen, right? Maybe that was a flash in the pan that he just started the season red hot. Defenses didn't have the scout yet, and he was taking advantages of opportunities. But if he can give you a glimpse of that against an SEC defense, against a team from a different conference that's going to have a month to scout him effectively, that would give you a ton of confidence that, oh, okay, so he still has that in him. That wasn't just a cool little fun story to start the season. He can still be that player. Because I think right now, there is a level of uncertainty that he still has that, just because of the way he's looked since he came back. And I think it's important to remember, you're talking about a separated shoulder in his throwing shoulder. I have no idea how healthy he is. But I guess the flip side of that argument would be, well, now you get three weeks, right, to rest and get right, and I would assume, however healthy he's been, he's going to be feeling better heading into that game down in Memphis. Yeah, I think it's interesting too because both coach or both quarterbacks, it's the same thing. KJ Jefferson, I don't know what his injury was, but it was a shoulder injury, and he missed two games. I uh, played the last two games just like Jalen did, and now maybe you look at two dual threat guys who are going to be back next season that. Uh, could have really explosive seasons, and, and that'll certainly be a storyline headed into next year if one of them goes off for this game. All right, here's a fun question for you. We're going to get to some KU basketball in a second here. Who has a better chance of going undefeated in the month of December? KU football, KU basketball. Well, how many games does Caden's basketball have in the month of December? I know they play Missouri on Saturday. That will be a close line. Then they play Indiana a game which they'll probably be favored in only because the games at Allen Fieldhouse, Harvard, and Oklahoma State. So you've got two games that'll probably be three to five-point spreads in these next two. So I'm going to have to take Kansas football. I, I should have <laughs> okay. left it there. Yeah, I'm going to have to take football. You only have one opportunity, but the level of competition is going to be fairly even. And I think with Kansas, you've got two really tough games followed by Harvard, which is very winnable. And then Oklahoma State, we'll see. You should win that game as well. But it's got to be football, right? I I think you could make a case the other way, right? If if you were putting a percentage on, on KU to beat Arkansas, you're probably looking around 40, 45% for them to win the game. And so if I told you what are the chances KU makes it out of that schedule in basketball at 4-0, I think you could reasonably say 50%. I don't know. I mean, I have more confidence in Kansas football right now than I do Kansas basketball. It's all relative. I don't think Kansas football is a top 20 team in the country like I do with Kansas, but basketball. But at least I know who they are. 
I know how Kansas football plays. I know how they want to win games. I know what they look like at their best. I'm not sure I can answer any of those questions for the basketball team right now. No, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to this in a second. I, I wonder if that's just kind of par for course where we're at, which, to your point, maybe does make a few of these games a, a little bit more up in the air. Let's uh, get further into this in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Omaha Steaks, America's original butcher since 1917 and a holiday gift that is guaranteed to be loved. When you get that package showing up to your door, you know you're excited to start opening and see all the different goodies you have inside the steaks and the sides. It's a perfect gift to receive or give for the holiday season achieve giving greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged tender and delicious omaha steaks the steak experts at omaha steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero go to omaha steaks.com locked on at checkout and get 30 dollars off your order omaha steaks is a gift from the heart a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. All right, so some kids. Well, kind of get up where, where we just left off with that last segment there. Um, I I find most amazing, and I understand, right? I mean, we're put into spaces where we're talking about the team and there is so much interest and you know, it, it's something where you definitely are gonna examine everything and everything is a piece of the puzzle actually adds up to whatever, maybe the, the, some of the parts is, um, but all off season, all the way headed through to where we were getting at the beginning of the year, the conversation was this is a young team. You have a lot of new pieces. I think that this team could be playing much better in February than it is at the beginning of the season. And we've seen some of the struggles. We've seen some of the youth come into play. And it feels like all of a sudden now that we're actually in it, whereas in the offseason we said, well, just give it time. It could be a little bumpy at the start of the year. And now we're here, and it's been a little bumpy, but they're still sitting at, what, 8-1, and 9-1? and one? Like, I feel like if you were to ask a lot of people, do you have more confidence, less confidence, or the same amount of confidence that you did at the beginning of the season for what this team would be to now? A lot of people would say less, but for me, it's just the same. Like nothing has happened so far that has felt unorthodox from what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, I think what you know what changed things was the Duke game. When they came out and won the way they did with Jalen playing you know, great basketball against Duke, and you saw how good they were defensively, which that part's, you know, persisted. But specifically, like, how they were able to win a game against a team with maybe the most talented front court in America, you thought, wow, this team's ahead of schedule. And since then, it felt like there's been regression. That, to me, is probably the reason why you've got this feeling of disappointment. Like, what's wrong? Well, if they just looked like this all season, there would still be concern, but it would fit that sort of theory that you just shared. It's the fact that they look so good against Duke. Like I came away from the Duke game thinking this is a national championship contending team, and they haven't looked like it since then until the game against Seton Hall last week. That was the first time in about a month they had returned to that form. But you're right. Overall, big picture, it's about where that we thought they would be. The biggest question before the season was, how is this front court going to shake out? 
who's going to be the starting five? What's that rotation going to look like? And here we are now a month into the season, and I don't think we're any closer to answering that unless your answer is that this is it, that it's going to be KJ and everybody else is going to kind of get in where they fit in. Ernest will have his games. Zach will have his games. Maybe Zuby here and there. Unless you think that's the final form of this team, yeah, I guess it is exactly what we thought we were getting. Do you have a favorite? I, I feel like, you know, it's it's almost like going to the ice cream shop. You got cookies and cream, cookie dough. You got all these different flavors. Um, doesn't feel like, you know, sort of like ice cream. Like all ice creams are great. Uh, it's, it's sort of the opposite of that right now with the, the centers. Not that they've been horrible, but um, there's not really one emerging above the rest. But do you have one guy that, that maybe you're most brash on? It's still KJ. I mean, I know that I know that the, his ceiling isn't as high as really anybody else on the team, but I know what he does. At the very least, I know that KJ will play all season long. We all think Ernest will be that guy eventually. Before the season, I thought it was going to be Zach Clements. But the only one of those four, if you want to include Zuby, that I know is going to have a spot in this rotation by the time the NCAA tournament rolls around, it's KJ. Because he just does the little thing. There's a reason why he's playing over everybody else. They don't have to worry about him out there. There are limitations to what he can do. He's a wing, basically playing your five spot. And there's that. that's the reason why I think everybody knows there needs to be another answer to that question. Eventually, this can't... If I have this same answer in March, that he's still my favorite, he's still the guy who's best suited to give Kansas 25 minutes a night, then that's an issue. But I know that even in March, he'll have a role. I can't say that about Ernest. I can't say that about Zach. I can't say it about Zuby. I just, there is there's uh, some reliability there. There is some comfort in that. He's never going to be your best player on the floor, but he's going to outwork everybody. He's a good rim runner. He's going to be able to, you know, get offensive rebounds, get to the line. He's a good passer for his size. He's a good shot blocker for his size. He's a good athlete. He plays really tough. He's very strong. You're not really going to push him around. There's a lot to like there, at least at this juncture, more than I think you could say about anybody else in the front court. Yeah, I think that's all good and fair. I'm actually gonna gonna do a deep dive a little on on this center position with some different uh, maybe I don't know analytics or, or numbers from Evan Miyakawa's website. And uh, one thing that is weird about KJ Adams is like he doesn't rank well defensively there, and I think I know why. It's because the defensive rebounding numbers have not been good, but everything else you're kind of getting from him right now, and nobody else has kind of earned that trust. Uh, let me ask you, which of these two scenarios do you think is more likely? Because I, to begin with, I'll just say this. I don't think either of these scenarios is that likely, but if you had to pick one of these two options, either Cam Martin, which might be back this Saturday, if not probably the following Saturday, earning the starting center role, or okay. would it be you're already out on this. Um, or would it be Jalen Wilson eventually becoming the main five man and then playing with like MJ Rice, Grady Dick, I don't know, Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller. So like three wings and Jalen at the five. So I guess four wings. I'm not very keen on either of these situations, Derek. Uh, but if you made me pick, it would probably be the one involving Jalen Wilson because at the very least, I know there's a chance you have like five of your best players on the floor together. And if you're telling me that D2 transfer Cam Martin is going to have to be one of your five guys on the floor ahead of 
Uh, what are, are all four of the other big guys top 100 recruits in the country? Are they all like top 80 recruits in the country? Zuby's probably the lowest, but he was top 100. So you're telling me that Cam Martin is going to be the best option? I don't see that faring well for Cam. I, I don't. I'm sorry. There are guys like Zach Eady out there. So uh, you're going to need to find mismatches somewhere at the very least. If Jalen's at the five, you're going to get a mismatch with whoever has to guard him from the other team. So if you're making me choose, that's my answer. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if Cam Martin's going to actually have a role on this team because of the fact that the other centers haven't stepped up. Like, but that's, he's almost, we do this and you know, we do, we do. It's always like the guy we haven't seen yet. Maybe he's the answer. And we always do it at the big guy spot. You know, whoever's at the end of the bench. Well, he gave, you know, he played four minutes the other night, but he hustled and he had a, he had a blocked shot and he had that one dunk. Why don't they give him some more run? I think he needs to play. And then you'll go inside his Kimpom numbers. They're like, they're off the charts. I'm like, he's playing 7% of minutes. Of course they're off the charts. I don't think his 80 true shooting percentage is going to hold up all year. I mean, if you haven't seen anything, you're like, well, maybe he's the answer. He made nine threes a game. At what, Where was he at, Derek? What was the name of his school? Southwest Missouri State? This is Kansas. I'm sorry. Cam Martin might play a nice role in this team. He could maybe give you some spot minutes here or there. But you're a national championship contending team. You cannot have him as a starting big man. Yeah, I mean, both are unlikely. I, I do think more of like the role of what ideally maybe Zach Clements could have done this year because he's not hitting shots. That's what Zach Clements is supposed to be, a center that can hit shots. So maybe Cam Martin can at least take that. But yeah, both are probably unlikely. All right, uh, we're going to do another edition of whose stat line is it anyway in just a second here. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You got to try this. Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. They've got the cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate, peppermint, granola, perfect for the holiday season. It's Built's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie puff, Built Puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They're re- revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories, just 130 calories. You're probably wondering to which new flavor is my favorite. It's an unanswerable question to say the least. They're all unbelievable and they're also different, so you can order a mixed box and try all the five flavors for yourself. Built, you got to try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using code LOCKEDON15. That's LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Okay, another edition of whose stat line is it anyway? I'm going to give you a stat line. The first one's going to be football. The next two are going to be some variations of basketball. So the first one, 47 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, four sacks. Mm. You're going to need to get creative on this one. Why am I going to have to need to get creative? I will tell you this. This is a player's, this is a player, but it is not their full season stats. What? It's not their full season stats. I took out a game. Okay. Uh, Lonnie Phelps. That is. So that is Lonnie Phelps in his 11 FBS games. Now, Lonnie Phelps, second team, all big 12. Um, great season, very impactful, got double teamed a lot. That certainly I'm sure hurt some of the sack numbers, but is that almost disappointing a little bit? I, I don't know. Disappointing is too strong of a word. Is that almost because it felt like after he had three sacks against, um, Tennessee tech, that this dude was just going to finish with like double digit sacks that like that was going to happen. 
So it's only it's almost like a mild result that again you only got four stacks to the next eleven games. I'm gonna be honest. I'm glad I got that right because I knew I knew what his final sack number was, but I didn't remember how many came in that first game. Because I did what you're supposed to do against FCS opponents, Derek, is completely purge them from your memory. Don't ever think about them again. But actually, now that you bring it up, I do remember the conversations afterwards. I was talking to Kevin Flaherty, who I know you talk to all the time. And he's like, eh, well, maybe we'll just like push that one to the side and, and reassess it later in the season, which I guess is what we're doing right now. I guess that's to be expected, right? You're going to perform better against lesser competition. Four and a half sacks in... 11 games does sound lackluster, but this is a guy who was playing at Miami of Ohio last year. And I think oftentimes, and the more we see the transfer portal open up and you'll see players like that, like I promise you, there will be other felt that come through the next year. More guys like him who dominated at a lower level and are being given the chance to prove it at higher levels. We're seeing it. We're seeing it at other places, right? Like Florida state had that kid this year. I can't remember his name who uh, was really big for them. And now his draft stock has shot up after transferring from a lower level. So you'll see more of that. It's kind of the evaluation process of figuring out, okay, we know he's too good for that level. How good can he be at this level? And the more of those guys you get, the less you're going to rely upon them to be stars. Lonnie Phelps was the big one, right? He was the big transfer that you got that you felt like needed to have an impact because this defensive line was so bad. They didn't get any pressure on the quarterback last year. So, I felt like we put a lot of eggs into his basket. If you have four Lonnie Phelps, though, all of a sudden, you you get what I'm saying, right? If you go out in the transfer portal and you get multiple guys of that level, you're not going to become so dependent on one of them having a massive season like Kansas was with Lonnie Phelps. That's fun. If you could clone any, we we got that mailbag question on on RCST last week. If you could clone any of the the basketball players, what would make the best starting five? If you could clone any of the defensive football players, would it be Lonnie Phelps? No, I think it got to be Craig Young, right? Yeah, Craig Young was really good. I mean, I, I mean, Jacoby Bryant was probably the best player on the defense. I know, so. but I'm saying if you had to clone any of the players, and that would be like eleven of them would be your defense. It would have to be oh, Craig Young. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they all are being yes. cloned. You're just saying I got like I cloned one of them. No, um, no. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the right answer, Craig Young. Okay, uh, whose stat line is it anyway? Number two of three. This is a per forty number, so one of your favorites. I know you love those per forties. I just, I just thought this was a fun one. Eight point eight points per game, nineteen point two rebounds per game, five point six blocks per game. I think I know this one. Because of the blocks. The blocks, I believe, gave it away. And my answer is going to be Zuby Ejiofor. That's right. I think you're five for five on this. Dude, I crushed. I crushed <laughs> whose outline is it anyway? It's because he's like, I think he's second on the team in block shots. Despite the fact that he's played like 30 total minutes this year and hasn't really done anything else. He's had a couple of dunks, but he's averaging almost a block a game, which is crazy for how little he's played. Do you put anything into that? Should we be, you know, did we already for Uzi, Zuby? Didn't we already talk about this, Derek? <laughs> we do this, man. It's always the guy who's playing like four minutes. Have no. we not considered? And listen, I think Zuby Edgefor is the type of he's a program player. He's the type of guy who ideally is here for four years, and by the time he's a senior, he could be a really, really special player. But right now, it's just the very beginning. It's the infancy. 
And this is kind of what happens for young players is you bring them along slowly. But it's always the guy who's playing four minutes. You're like, what if he, what if he played 12 though? He's better than what this guy's doing. Have we not considered that maybe he hasn't played enough for us to see the reasons why he's not playing enough, right? Like they're, these guys go up against each other in practice every day. Do you think the coaching staff is just watching Zuby Ejiofor kick everyone's ass up and down the court? And they're like, you know what, though? Let's let's wait. Let's wait on him. Maybe let's save him for next year. No, if he was the best, they would play him more. I promise you that. He is a raw athlete, and those are the guys at that position who we always want to see more of because you see the explosiveness, you see the length, and that oozes potential, but there's also a rawness there. Same thing with, with Ernest. You know, Ernest has that same size and length, but he doesn't. He is not the fluid athlete that Zuby is, and I think our eyes are always attracted to those sorts of qualities. All right, I think you should get this one. This this might I don't know. It might be the easiest one. Uh, Forty three. You're, you're just setting me up for failure now. Forty three total minutes played, zero points, ten rebounds, zero of eleven from the field. Who has not scored? You said he has zero points in 43 minutes. Yes. Hmm. I feel like this is a trick question. Oh, dude. No, it's not. Zach Clements. That's Zach right. Clements. <laughs> Are we sure yeah. he is a good shooter? He was supposed to be. Uh, what was the game last year? Wasn't it Oklahoma last year where he came in and yeah. had a really nice game? Mm-hmm. Most of that was because of defense, right? It was. Um, uh, Tanner, Tanner Groves, Groves right? Mm-hmm. Who, and then he hit the, he hit the one big three yeah, that like gave three. him their first lead in a while. He hit the one three. The one time we've seen him hit a three, and he was coming back down like putting the <laughs> three against his head. I think. Bill well, Salt there was a there was a, I was listening to to one of the pregame uh, radio broadcasts, and and Brian Haney was during the battle for Atlantis, and the player interview was with Zach Clements, and he asked Zach, "He's who's the best shooter on the team?" He goes, "Me." <laughs> He's a, what is he? Oh, for fourteen this year. He's 0 for 11 from the field, 0 for 9 from 3. I think he's missed like 14 or 15 straight, though, from 3 going back to last year. They always say that, right? Like the best shooters, they always think the next one's going in. But at some point, you have to have a little self-awareness to say, well, maybe maybe now is not the time to be shouting my, my shooting prowess off the rooftops. But, I mean, I guess just keep shooting, right? It's frustrating to have like a seven-footer who wants to shoot threes and he never makes it. It's like, can you do anything? Because you're supposed to be an outside in guy and you can't even do that well. So it's like the office space quote. What is it that you'd say you do here? (laughs) I'm not seeing a whole lot of production, my man. All right. Well, that is whose stat line is it anyway? Uh, That's Nick Schwartz. You can check him out again. Yeah. Hey, 610 sports, Cody and gold waving the wheat. Anything else? That's it, man. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Nick Schwartz. I'm Derek Johnson. Our show working, uh, uh, I don't know, dive to where KU's at and, and some of their football recruiting stuff here. Check out anything, any way that you get our uh, podcast, subscribe to us wherever at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. You can also hit us up in the comment section on the YouTube channel. That'll do it for today's show. See you tomorrow. This is Locked on Jayhawks. Bye.